Welcome to the fifth episode of Two Tankers in a Can. We are your hosts. I'm Charlie. Hey, and I'm Russell. We'd like to start off by thanking uh, so many people that have tuned in and been listening. Um, when me and Russ started this, we had no idea that it was going to spread to so many different countries. Um, we actually got contacted by a uh, girl in New Zealand, and she was talking uh, about some of the tanks that uh, that are in the New Zealand uh, military and stuff like that. I was like, holy crap, we're starting to go from England and China and New Zealand, and I was thinking the far-off countries we would get would be like Texas. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely sweet, man. I, yeah, it, it's went way beyond my expectations. And we just wanted to thank everybody for, you know, really reaching out. We're trying to improve on stuff, and that's why we're still asking for so much feedback from you guys. Um, today's episode is actually kind of one that I'm not really good about, and I know Russ has got more on the T-Series, but we're actually going to be talking about the M26 Pershing or the Pershing tanks. Um, my family uh, was in the Korean War, um, and in the Korean War, uh, they had a Pershing that they actually um, painted what they call the tiger face or the Korean tiger face. If you get a chance to Google the Korean um, tiger face Pershing tank, you'll see the kind of camo that it had, but this is, they, you really use this camo in combat. And uh, apparently the North Koreans saw this and turned around and ran. Of course, if you had a Pershing come at you, Russ with a 90 millimeter yeah, I think you'd run too. Yeah, I think I would run. Yep. Um, basically, the Pershing tank was a heavy slash medium tank um, of the United States Army. The tank was named after uh, General of the Army's uh, John J. Pershing. Um, Russ, you know a little bit about Pershing. Was wasn't he the one that led the Spanish or American? Yeah, he led the American Expeditionary Force um, in Europe. World oh. War One, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he was the one that went after. Uh, who was the Mexican bandito? Oh man, you're asking me something that I. That's way back. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's before my research time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, basically, it started out at the end of World War Two. The Pershing was kind of at the end of World War Two. It did see combat, and it saw amazing combat. It actually killed uh, some tigers and tiger twos um, with great effect. And then it went into, uh, uh, of course, the Korean War. And, uh, it was intended as a replacement for the M4 Sherman. Um, the prolonged time of development meant that only a small number saw combat in the European th- theater. Uh, most n- notably is the 9th Armored Division's uh, dramatic dash uh, to take the, I think it was called the Ludroff or Ludendorff Bridge. Ludendorff, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there you go. During the Battle of uh, Remagan, one. Yeah. Uh, based on the criteria, uh, criteria of firepower, mobility, and protection, um, RP Honeycutt ranked the Pershing second behind the German Panther medium tank. Um, that's saying a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That it really is, yeah. Um, can you touch on Honeycutt just for a few minutes? People are going to go, what, what, what? Yeah, what? who is this RP Honeycutt guy? Uh, believe it or not, um, he's got a series of books out there that is pretty much all can be considered almost the Bible of the tank. I mean, he's got, oh, man, what was it? I think I looked up the other day. He's got at least five or six different books um, just describing every American tank out there. I mean, it's just incredible what he's got in these books. And he's pretty much a professional on, you know, going back and, and researching all these tanks and, and putting them in these books. Well, uh, like he was saying, Honeycutt is basically, you know, the guy to go to if you have tank questions yeah and most of his books are kind of rare now yes I mean, they I, are <laughs> i think if you go some dark web 
don't go to the dark web. Yeah, yeah. 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 We are not telling you to go to the dark no. web. But if you, uh, some of his stuff is on there. Um, but again, I would n- tell everybody never download anything from the yeah. dark web. You, you, you can find his books. I believe they've got them on Amazon. Um, I know there's been a few reprints, but what's out there can be kind of expensive if you can still find them. The Purging was ranked second behind the German Panther, which uh, was a, that's even ahead of the Tiger One tank. Now, I don't know why the Panther was ahead of the Tiger, but it was. And everybody's going, no, no, no. What are some of your thoughts on that? Why was the Panther so much better than the Tiger? In his idea. In, think it, in the rankings? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good question. The, I had asked uh, a couple of guys that I tank with on the uh, in my clan at World of Tanks, and they said the reason the Panther ranked higher because it was easier to repair, that it was lighter, and that it could go across bridges that the Tiger couldn't. And that made it, meant it yeah. had a longer reach. Uh, it wasn't as hard as, I guess, on terrain. The Tiger would break down quite a bit and throw tracks. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So, and, and the reason the Pershing is second behind the Panther is because the Pershing, unfortunately, had a very, very weak engine, and the Panther had a very good, strong engine. Apparently. Ah, there you go. Okay. But um, when it comes to the Korean War, the Korean War really... Uh, the Pershing outmatched the uh, North Koreans and the Chinese were using the Russian T-34-85. And I know people are like, no, 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 they were making them in China and they were making them in North Korea. And I'm like, okay, it's still the T-34-85. Yeah, it's still the same one, yep. You can put the Type 3485 in front of it. But, yeah, I mean, they just used the Russian design. But when that uh, T-34-85 came up against, you know, a Pershing... It'd tear it up. Just yeah. tear it in half. Yeah. So, it, you know. I'd like to see that happen just once. <laughs> you know, I think there is some. Are there some videos out there? Yeah, that I show think me there's that? some videos. Maybe we should put that on our Facebook yeah, I'll, site. I'll have to come up with something like that. To... Um, Russ, can we just skip to the stats of the tank? Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, what was yeah. know, armor and stuff? Yeah. The... Um, the upper hole armor. Ran at about 102 millimeters thick. Uh, the lower hole and the turret sides, uh, that was about 76 millimeters thick. And your the sides of your hole, um, 50 to 75 millimeters. It kind of varied anywhere in between 50 and 75 millimeters on the sides. Uh, you had a 90 millimeter gun, M3 version. That was the main armament on the tank. And the tank carried 70 rounds, believe it or not. 70 rounds? 70 rounds of 90 millimeter, yeah. So it could be out in the field for a while. Yeah, yeah. It also had uh, two Browning um, 30-06 machine guns. Wait, 30-06, isn't that what I use for my deer hunting? Uh, must be pretty close, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's put that on a yeah. tank. Yeah. I don't know. Do they allow that today? No, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Now it's all round ammo and yeah. nine millimeter. Oh, yeah. You got to be friendly. Yeah, that's true today. War, yeah. War's got to be friendly now. Yeah. And they had 5,000 rounds of the of the .30-06 on board. They also had one Browning um, 50 caliber with about 550 rounds on board for that. I'm pretty sure that was the anti-aircraft. Yeah. They, they used the 50 cals as the anti-aircraft guns, yeah. Wow. But the engine was the downfall. What kind of engine was pushing that big horse? Well, it had a Ford GAF uh, eight-cylinder gasoline engine, and that is incredible for a tank that size. Only size only having a eight-cylinder engine. Well, how many horsepower is that? Averaged out to be about four hundred and fifty to five hundred horsepower is what it kicked out. So they. They got a Ford motor that had 500 horsepower, and they're trying to push that thing. If you have not seen the Pershing up close, um, if you would get online and check, there are VFW halls all around that has these. And there's uh, actually one of the Korean Tiger face 
tanks I was talking to you about. There's one, out, there's a museum. I guess it's the big red one right out of Chicago. Yeah, you sent me that the other day, yeah. that link to that. And that that's I'm probably going to be on our list of to-dos. Yeah, that's a road trip. Yeah. And uh, if you guys don't know, we did finally get to uh, Fort Benning, but we're going to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Let's just say that was an awesome trip. <laughs> yeah, we've got so much to talk about on that. Yes. Oh, yeah, we really do. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the Pershing, didn't oh. they have one in Oklahoma City at the yes at they, the museum down there? Yes, yeah. they did, and it was incredible. So if you're down in Oklahoma, you can definitely see a Pershing there at the museum um, in Oklahoma City. Well, there's so much to see in Oklahoma City. Oh, there is. And, and if you have never been to Oklahoma City, um, the bombing site, um, the whole Timothy McVeigh uh, tragedy. Um, there's also a train museum down there. I, yeah. I think you can ride the train. So you're feeling tanks, trains, and yeah, you know, memorial sites. That's yep. definitely a good one to They've go. They've got to. a lot down there, and they got great food down there. Oh too. yes, Bricktown's got yeah. great food. Downtown, yeah. Um, in the spring of 1942, as the M4 Sherman was entering production, U.S. Army ordnance began work on a follow-up tank. Uh, the T20 uh, reached a mock-up stage in May of 1942 and was intended to be an improved medium tank to follow the M4-9. It was just a upped M4. And earlier heavy tank, the M6, uh, had been standardized in February 1942, but proved to be a failure. The U.S. Army uh, had no doctoral use for a heavy tank at that time. The M6, we'll have to talk about. It's a cool-looking tank. Uh, it really is. I was going to get ready to say something about that. That's... But um, we'll, we'll talk more about the M6 tank. Yeah. If you guys don't know, you should look up uh, American M6 heavy tank. Kind of got a tragic uh, you know, start and end. But, um, yeah, we're, we'll talk about that. Russ, I'm talking to you. You know, we got into the T-Series just now, and it's basically the step between the Pershing or the Sherman and the Pershing. They came out with the T-Series. I know you know a little bit about the T-Series. Can you tell us about that? Like you mentioned a while ago, the T-Series, which is the T-20, T-22, T-23, it was mainly just kind of a stepping point. Um, they were looking for something above and beyond the M4, the Sherman, and they started with the T-20. To be honest with you, it really didn't last too long with that particular series. You might ask also what some of the differences was between the T20, T22, and T23. Apparently, in some of the research that I've done, um, it looks like just the choice of the transmission they used was the only difference in between the, the three. So they had the basically the T20 series shape of the tank. So when they say T22, T23, they're just talking about a transmission upgrade. Yeah, yeah. I know that it only had the 76-millimeter tank, and basically, you know, they they were like, oh, we need the 76 to, you know, fight, you know, German armored. But then they're like, oh, well, give me the 76. I'll put it on the M4 Sherman. It'll be just fine. So that kind of killed it. Yeah. And the engine on that thing was just terrible. They came up with the Pershing, and they were like, hey, let's give this tank a 90-millimeter gun. Yeah. little difference between the 76 and well, 90, yeah. The Pershing, or the T6, um, or the T2063, was uh, the production version of the T26E1, basically the first Pershing with a number of mo minor modifications as a result of field testing. In February of 1945, the T-26 fielded in the European theater where its performance review got early, received early praise from the Ar Army Ordnance officials. The Army named the tank after Ar Army General uh, John Pershing, where it was redesignated the M-26 in, the, in March of that year, which would be, what, March 45? Russia... Oh, Explain the delayed production. We're talking May of, well, we're talking 1945. The war is coming to a close. Yeah. Um, actually, the M26 was introduced late into World War II. Saw only a limited amount of combat. 
towards the end of World War II. I mean, that's kind of when they first started seeing them show up over there for after producing them. Tank historians, um, such as Richard P. Honeycutt, who we talked about a little bit while ago, an uh, individual by the name of George Forty and Stephen Zaloga, um, have generally agreed that the main cause of the delay in production of the M26 Pershing was opposition to the tank from the Army ground forces. And that was actually headed by General Leslie McNair. Why would they want to stop that a Pershing tank? It's obviously better than the M4. Yeah. It's got a 90-millimeter gun. Yeah, it, it just looked like there were several factors that had actually delayed the program. So the production finally began in November of 1944, and they made 10 of these uh T twenty sixty three tank, right, Russ? Yeah, yeah. They were produced that month in November at the Fisher Tank Arsenal. Thirty of them were produced in December, and another seventy were produced in January of forty five. Yeah, another hundred and thirty two was produced in that February. So it was all within like a three month period there. So they were actually starting to come out with some serious ones. So by the end of the war, you were telling me earlier that they had almost two thousand that were produced. Yeah. Since they 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 started making these Pershings, and America's industrial strength at that point was really shoving out tanks, and once they got everything going down the assembly line, like he says, uh, we had 2,000 of these things by the end of 1945. Um, the, armor, the 3rd Armored, which is our boy George Patton again, uh, they first used the M26 to engage the enemy on, I think it was February 25th, 25th near the Rower River uh, and then on the 26th a T26E3 named Fireball was knocked out in an ambush at Eseldorf while over watching a roadblock. Silhouetted by a nearby fire the Pershing was in a disadvantageous uh, position. A concealed tiger fired three shots from about 100 yards, about 91 meters for our European friends. Wow. The first penetrated the turret through the machine gun port. <laughs> oh, man. I hope nobody was looking out that oh, machine gun. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it actually went through the turret mantle, uh, killing the gunner and the loader. Ouch. Uh, the second shot hit the gun barrel. Uh, we've done that in World of Tanks oh, quite yeah, a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, causing the round uh, that was in the chamber to fire with the effect of distorting the barrel. Wow. What a lucky shot. <laughs> <laughs> so his gun's destroyed. He's, he's got His machine gun's got a hole through it, and he's lost two guys. Wow. The last shot glanced off the turret side, uh, taking off the upper cupola hatch uh, while backing up to escape. This is the funny part. While backing up to escape, the tiger hit a building behind it and became uh, entangled in debris and was abandoned by the crew. Oh, so man. One of the stories about this is the fireball was quickly repaired and returned to service on uh, March 7th. Now, what I'd like to point out that this tiger fired, what, a total of three shots? Three shots, yeah. First one goes through the machine gun mantle, kills, you know, destroys their machine gun. Uh, kills two guys. The second shot hits the gun when there's a ammunition in the gun, and it causes it to fire and misshapes the barrel. And then the other shot hits the cupola. And if you guys, I think we've told you before, the cupola is where they enter the tank. You know, it's kind of like the hatch. The hatch, yeah. So it hits that and blows a big hole in that. Well, they still get away. Okay, they take this tank back, and they're like, oh, no, <laughs> only Americans. I can fix that. So, so they put cement around the machine gun port, clean it out, put a new hatch on it, and say, okay, you're good to go. Now this advanced killer tiger backs up into a house. It kind of falls in on it. They can't get it unstuck, so they have to leave. Wow. <laughs> And the Americans get a free tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, you know, uh, Russ, uh, 
talk about the fireball and tiger fight. How easy it was to repair and get back in the fight compared to the tiger? Sounded like it was still operational. I mean, oh yeah, you know, they got out. Yeah, motor and wise and all that stuff. So really, all it really took out was their was their gun. So that probably wasn't too bad to get it replaced and and back in operation. I think one of the things that we learned down in Fort Benning, and we'll talk more about this, is the interchangeable parts. You couldn't get tiger uh, wheels or guns and put them on a panther, correct? Yeah, yeah, that is true, yes. And here in the Pershing, we've got, you know, rows and rows of 90-millimeter guns. We're like, oh, we'll pull them out, you know, and shove them right in. yeah. Oh, you lost your machine gun. Well, we we got thousands of those. Yeah. Because they're all true. assembly line guns. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. I, I that don't know. That makes sense. Yes, if, it does. If you're going to get in an extended fight, you might want to have stuff that you can just change out sure. in and out. Sure. That makes sense. Um, after the Battle of the Fireball, and, and that was considered, you know, the Pershing's first time out, it was a loss. I I'd have a tough time saying that was a loss being... Because here's a tank that had a fire built up. You know, the guys were cold. They built a fire, and it was backlit. The the tank was in front of the fire. They're actually lighting up. Yeah. This tiger fires from concealment, fires three rounds, hits it, and it still dries away. The tiger backs into a house and gets stuck. So. And that was within a 100-yard range. I mean, that's really not all that far away. Yeah. And the tiger, well, everybody knows the tiger gun. So for, for one shot just to bounce off, you know, after destroying the cupola, that's yeah, pretty amazing. It is. Let me talk about what I like to call the Lovelady uh, shorties. Lovelady was actually a commander uh, of a tank company. Um, his name was actually William Lovelady. Now, I can't prove this, but I heard that one of the tanks was christened the Lovelady. The U.S. attack on Eseldorf continued the next day after the fireball uh, with support from Allied fighter bombers. By noon, after fierce fighting, the village was cleared by uh, cleared of the enemy. The afternoon of February 27th uh, saw the Wehrmacht uh, launch a counterattack to take Eseldorf with four Tigers, two MK-4s. What was an MK-4? I forget. It was the half-track, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah, believe so. Yeah, leading the advance. Uh, fortunately for the Americans, Task Force Lovelady under uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lovelady was just to the south with a Pershing, and he was actually in Pershing number forty. Now, Pershing number forty was also probably the Lovelady um, under the commander uh, command of Sergeant Nick Maslinick. Uh, he moved forward. At a thousand yards, and while still on the move, the Persian killed a dug-in tiger with four rapid, rapid high-velocity, armor-piercing rounds. Uh, Mashalik, uh just was just getting started. He remembered three other German armored vehicles were leaving Esseldorf and were on the road to his right. He waited until all of them were on the road uh, with their rear ends exposed. Then he uh, picked each one off with one shell each. One Just, shell. Yeah, like shooting ducks. Incredible. Duck. He, he, he later said it was like shooting ducks. Wow. Uh, the sergeant's achieve, achievement confirmed the effectiveness of the Pershing's firepower. By the end of the 27th, Isselzorf was firmly in American hands and allowed the division maintenance to retrieve the fireball. Oh, well, the fireball was broke down. Uh, no, he got out of there. It just didn't get all yeah, the way. Yeah. The tank returned to duty on March 7th. Wow. Basically, this Pershing number 40 um, goes out tiger hunting. Yeah. And it's racing down the road, and then a dug-in tiger is shooting at it, and it fires four rounds and kills this tiger dug in. I think this is a better example of what the Pershing can do. Exactly. Uh, with its 90 millimeter it was one of the few tanks that could shoot on the move accurately and to kill a dug-in tiger with four shots on the move that's amazing it really is and then to kill the other three german armored vehicles um that's 
that's amazing. Everybody goes, well, uh, if you read uh, Michael Whitman, he killed like 37 British armored vehicles with his Tiger tank on the move, you know, going down the road. Well, he got him from behind like this guy did. He, he, I'm not saying anything against Whitman. I mean, he knew what he was doing, and he knew his, you know, the what the Tiger could do. We will talk about that battle later on. I, again, I'm getting off topic. The point I'm trying to make is this Pershing with a fairly new guy, you know, a new sergeant with a brand new tank. He's not familiar with this tank. He's only had it for a little bit. And his first time out, he kills a tiger on the move, and he kills three more. That's yeah, amazing. That, that is, yeah. I just can't get over just, you know, killing the other three pieces of armor with with one shot each. I mean, that's just, that's incredible. Well, I know you like the Pershing battle about that happened in Cologne on March 6th, was it? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. On March the 6th, just after the 3rd Armored Division uh, had entered the city of Cologne, a famous tank duel took place. A Panther tank on the street in front of the Cologne Cathedral was lying in wait for enemy tanks to roll in. Uh, they had two M4 Shermans supporting the infantry and came up on the same street as the Panther. They ended up stopping just before the cathedral uh, because of rubble in the street um, and didn't see the enemy Panther. Uh, the lead Sherman was knocked out, killing three of the five crewmen. Wow. A T-26E3 uh, was in the next street over. That's our Pershing. That's the Pershing. It was on the next street over and was called over to engage the Panther. And what happened next was described by the T-26E3 gunner, uh, Corporal Clarence Smoyer. Uh, we were told to just move into the intersection far enough to fire into the side of the enemy tank, which was the Panther that killed the Sherman, which had its gun facing uh, up the other street where the Sherman had been destroyed. However, as we entered the intersection, our driver had his periscope turned towards the Panther and saw the gun turning to meet us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, oh, no, we know you're coming. So they're turning the gun around. Uh, when I turned our turret, I was looking into the Panther's gun tube. So instead of stopping to fire, our driver drove in the middle of the intersection so we wouldn't be a, or setting target. As we moved, I fired once, then we stopped, and I fired two more shells to make sure they wouldn't uh, fire at our side. All three of our shells penetrated, one under the gun shield and two on the side. The two side hits uh, went completely through and out the other side of the Panther. Good Lord. Wow. That's crazy. Four of the Panther crew were able to successfully bail out of the stricken tank before it was destroyed. The action was recorded by a sing uh, Signal Corps uh, cameraman. Now, if you guys haven't found this, I'm hoping Russ will put this battle clip on our uh, Facebook. Um, it is on YouTube, and it's an incredible thing. These guys, you know, are in a tank. They're in Cologne, Germany. They're scared. They're in this new tank that they don't know very much about. And how do I describe this? There's a Panther tank. The Panthers are one of the most deadliest tanks out there. They had their little Pershing 1Cs and the little... Uh, but this is the Panther. And it's already killed some of your buddies in a Sherman tank. Now, these guys knew each other. They were part of a group that went out together. These are, you know, your buddies. So they had went up in one of these Sherman tanks and got killed. And the guys come back and said, oh, crap, you know, they killed them. Yeah, but you're you're going to be okay. The, you know, their guns pointed up the road. You can get in behind them. As soon as you pull out, boom, their guns turning towards you. They know you're there. They're, and, you know, the Pershing sitting, aimed, doesn't miss. You know, you're, and then he starts cutting loose and fires on the move, backing up, rocking back and forth. And that 90 millimeters going right through that Panther. Like yeah. he said, yeah. hit it and went through it. That's incredible. And if you get to see the video of that, um, they said that tire, that the Pershing, what we call blued up, 
it it starts on fire and rages and it's amazing it's wow amazing. yeah i will definitely put that on facebook the other thing i wanted to mention too was i can't imagine looking out your periscope and looking straight in down the gun barrel of anything i i, I think that would just be an old shit moment to be honest with you well as most of you know uh me and russ are both in law enforcement and you know we've had guns pulled on us before especially where I where I'm from and my earlier career but if I turned around and I was looking down a German elite tank yeah. with the Pershing barrel yeah and you're like uh no it's just crazy you know that's when it really hits you now Russ you you actually own the super Pershing in world of tanks it's one of these premium uh uh, tanks, right? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, tell me some stuff about the Super Pershing. Well, I'll tell you some of the difference is um, what's really funny, you know, Russ ha- has this tank, and if you ever get a chance, type in World of Tanks Super Pershing tank. If you look at the very front, it looks like the front of a Pershing tank. Here's what they did. They went to one of these uh, guys that one of the local guys and I'm gonna, I'll look him up but he was a tank mechanic and they're like hey we need some up armoring on this vehicle they're like well what do you mean and they're like well we're, we're fighting against some tigers and panthers we need a little bit more ar- armor to stop this you know 88 yeah <laughs> you know anti-tank yeah. gun yeah and the guy says hey I know what's to do we'll all just get one of these dead panther tanks and we'll cut off the front of it and put it on the front of your super Persian or your tank and make it a super Persian. Wow. And they're like, what? He goes, we're going to cut off the front. So if you look at the super Persian, they've actually taken the front off the Panther tank, even the machine gun hole, and they welded it on the front. Wow. I did not realize that. (laughs) Yes. I learned something new. And here's the funny part. They said, oh, great, that's perfect. It's basically spaced armor of a Panther tank on the front of our Persian tank. On the front of the Persian. So now we've got two hulls in front of us. But how else can you remove it? And he goes, well, where do you need some more armor? And they're like, well, how about the turret? You know, our very first battle, they shot right through the machine gun hole in the turret and blew our cupola off. He says, no problem. I'm going to get some more pieces off this Panther tank that you guys brought me. He cuts it, and he makes basically a riot shield that goes in front of it. Gosh. And they're like, wow, you've really up-armored it. But now the 90 millimeter is so heavy, it's got so much armor in the front, and it's bouncing around causing problems. We, we need to find some way to make it better. And they're like, okay, well, I'll just go get some springs. And they put springs on it to keep it going. So imagine these guys driving the Pershing tank, and they have just welded basically yeah. a panther t- uh, yeah, on front of it. That's crazy. No. That's funny. Yeah, that's the first I'd heard of that. I I did not. I have not looked into it that much to yeah before to to see what they had done. So if anybody says, "Oh, oh, super Pershing," you know, it was, no, that was just a bunch of panther tanks they had cut up and welded wow. on the front of it, and these guys were like, "Yeah, that's great." Um, <laughs> But they had to the spring that you see on the front to hold a gun up on the mantlet. It really was just a large counterweight. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a large counterweight was added to the rear of the turret bustle to basically offset going up and down okay. with the gun. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any super Pershings around anymore. That's what I was wondering if there's actually any of those out there on but, display anywhere. But they do have some stats on the super Pershing, and I know you have it. Can you tell the people about some of the stats? Yeah, the uh, total weight, battle ready weight of the vehicle was about forty six tons. <laughs> that's a that's adding all that. Yeah, <laughs> Panther armor. Yeah, yeah, adding about five tons of armor to the original. It had a crew of four, had a commander, a driver, an assistant driver, and a loader. <laughs> okay, so don't tell me it still had that little bitty Ford 500 horse. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, it did. Oh, my God. It had the same engine as the original Pershing, yeah. Oh, no. 
Okay. The little eight cylinder gasoline, four hundred fifty to five hundred horsepower engine. Yeah. If you add uh, approximately five tons, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm telling you this now, people, it's a forty six ton tank, and it originally was supposed to weigh forty one tons. So they up armored it, adding this Panther armor and these metal plates. They added five tons of extra armor to a motor that was already barely pushing this yeah. monster. Yeah. So well, that definitely explains why in game of World of Tanks it is a slow tank. It really is a <laughs> slow tank. Well, no, it explains. But it had the same basically armament, the same the same guns. Yeah. Same, yeah. Okay. Had a maximum speed about twenty two mile an hour on the road. <laughs> Compared to <laughs> Well, okay, that's dropped the speed substantially yeah, from the original yeah, yeah okay so if this thing was screaming as hard as it could you maybe get 35 kilometers out yeah, of it yeah yeah that adding five tons of yeah, armor yeah 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 it pretty much had the same armament as the i don't as know the original pershing yeah if they came to you and said rush you're gonna have to go in this cologne germany and you're gonna have to fight you can either keep the speed of your tank and keep it light and, and move around quick or we can get, you know, more armor on it. What do you want? What would you pick? Well, oh, I'll tell you what. I'd probably pick the armor. I probably would. Yeah, yeah. That, just that much more between me and the me and what the enemy shooting at me. I, I think I take the speed because I like the fact that you can run away really quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if if things go bad. Lightning. Oh, sorry, oh, people. Cal, yeah. yeah. We forgot to mention lightning, and she's, she's going crazy she's over here. Going crazy. Believe it or not, I think she slept all day, so she's definitely wide awake tonight. If you haven't seen pictures of lightning or any video, you can find that on her Facebook. Yeah, actually, I caught her sleeping in front of my uh, new tank sign <laughs> that I bought here. Where'd you, the, get, where'd you get that sign? Oh, that was from the uh, World War One Museum up in Kansas City when we were up there. Oh, the F1. Yeah, yeah. FT1. Yeah. Or FT17. God, yeah. Man. It's the treat em rough with the big scary looking cat on it and telling yeah. you to join the tanks, United States Tank Corps. And I think that's why Lightning was all over me now. He's yeah. like, hey, you can't have two tankers without the cat. Exactly. Like, all yeah. right. So he's got to get involved. On April 4th, between Windsor and Norgen, the Super Pershing engaged and destroyed a German tank, or something resembling a tank, at the range of 1,500 yards, which is 1,400 meters. According to uh, Xanalog, uh, it was possible f- uh, this vehicle was a Jag Panther. Um, from uh, the 56th Heavy Panzer Battalion. On 12 April, the Super Pershing claimed a German tank of unknown type. Um, On April 21st, the Super Pershing was involved in a short-range tank duel with a German tank, which it knocked out with a shot to be uh, to the belly. Erwin described this German uh, tank as a Tiger, but uh, they were skeptical of his claim. After the war, uh, the Super Pershing in Europe was last photographed in a vehicle dump in Kaisel, Germany, and was most likely scrapped. So basically, they're like, "Hey, we killed you know this German tank, and we ki- killed these weird tanks. These guys were. This is kind of a good example. Germany was running out of parts. Yes." Yeah, and, and, and like everybody says, well, what's a Jag Panther? It, it, it's basically just a Panther tank without the turret. They made a, a frame to put on top of the. They had the holes and they had the engines, but they just couldn't do the turrets. So they basically just put an eighty-eight of the Panther in a, in a straight frame with that. It's basically a Panther without a turret. Wow! And they were like, what? Uh, what the heck is this? So they were making these, you know, Tiger tanks and stuff like that without turrets. You know, these Yag Tigers and stuff like that that were coming out. And they're like, yeah, it looked like a Tiger. The bottom part looked like a Tiger, but it, it, it was weird. So these, they'd come back and report them, and the Amer- American generals and command staff were going, uh, you guys are lying just to get your stats up. Well, they couldn't send infantry out there to go verify at, you know, 1,400 yards 
you're still, you know, machine gun fire. And they're like, hey, Bill, jump out of the tank and go over there and see what that is and take a picture of it. I'm like, uh, I ain't getting out of the tank. You get out of the tank. Or get, you know, get one oh, of the infantry guys. And the infantry guy there says, you go. Uh, you're, you're all armored. You go over there. And they're like, um, okay, we're just going to tell them that we knocked it out. Well, by the time these panthers and these jag tigers are knocked out, they're pulling them off the line, trying to get them back working and hiding them. So they're saying, hey, well, you killed the tank over here, you said. And I'm like, yeah, it was there, you know, four or five days ago. Wow. <clears throat> so a lot of these guys with the super versions and just any tank would come back and say, hey, listen, there was some kind of armored tank. We killed it, but we can't tell you what it is. And they're like, well, it doesn't count. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. It's a ripoff. Uh, tell me some of your favorite battles with the Pershing. Uh, on April 21st, 1945, near the town of Dessa, Germany, at the junction of the Mould and Elbe Rivers, a tank versus tank contest occurred. It was truly a heavyweight bout. An American Super Pershing slugged it out with a German King Tiger. Now, that's the Tiger II, right? It's the Tiger II, yeah. We're not talking about the regular Tiger. We're talking about the big boy. The big boy out of the, yeah. And against yeah. a Sirpu Pershing that had been all up-armored. Up-armored, decked out, yep. Tell me about this. Uh, the U.S. tank was manned by an experienced crew under the command of Staff Sergeant Joseph Matira of Massachusetts. Uh, the brave and capable non-commissioned officer had one weakness. He was severely claustrophobic, and during any fighting, he usually stood up in the turret of his vehicle, firing the tank's fifty caliber machine gun. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, I'm asking the same thing you are. So this guy's standing outside, or standing up through the. He's claustrophobic. Probably not a good thing for a tank commander. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're claustrophobic, don't join the submarine corps. If exactly. You're claustrophobic, don't get in the tank. <laughs> so he's so freaked out about being trapped in the tank, he's sticking his body out and just machine gunning stuff. I guess so. Oh, you got to go on. I oh, want yeah. to hear more about this. Although his habit exposed him to enemy fire, it allowed him a better view of his surroundings. His gunner was Corporal John Jack P. Irwin of Norristown, Pennsylvania. Matria had been in combat for nine straight months while Irwin dropped out of high school to enlist in the U.S. Army in 1944. The 18-year-old Irwin was sent to Fort Knox, Kentucky, qualifying as a tank gunner. While at that station, he worked on some of the 20 new Pershing tanks sent there for testing. Matera and Irwin were with Company 1, 33rd Armored Regiment, 3rd Armored Division. So his gunner is some kid straight out of high school, well, hasn't even graduated. And he goes to Fort Knox, and he's actually training how to shoot the Persian gun, you know, being all advanced and one of the yeah, new weapons. Yeah. And here's this experienced tank commander who's been driving around with Sherman's killing tigers, and all of a sudden he gets this kid, brand new, who's a hot <laughs> shot, you know, gamer boy, I guess, uh. that knows how to shoot straight. And knows this tank, and he goes, "Hey, I'm your gunner, and uh, I know I'm I'm a dead shot." And he's like, "Well, I'm your sir, I'm your leader, and I'm great. I've been in tons of battles, but I'm claustrophobic, so I can't stay in the tank with you." Oh my gosh! Yeah. Only in America, people. yeah, Only in exactly. America. But go ahead. Matrias Pershing reached an intersection and began to round the corner, waiting in ambush just 600 yards away. Stood a German. King Tiger tank. The German tank fired at the M26 Pershing, but missed its mark as its shell went high. John Irwin reacted immediately, firing a high explosive round at the enemy vehicle, which merely bounced off the German tank and then exploded in the air. <laughs> okay, here's an idea. Oh, if you man. were in a Pershing tank and you were on patrol, don't load the HE, the high explosive round, <laughs> yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna find German armor, and in this case, they found a German King Tiger tank. Golly. We will talk about the King Tiger, oh yeah, because we got to actually hang out and uh, take pictures and 
Uh, like if you know me, I was rolling around on it. Oh yeah, he uh, was. Uh, I get really excited, like a cat, like <laughs> like lightning on catnip. Me just yeah. roll around. I'm like, oh, it's a German King Tiger. <laughs> we got to see one of those at Fort Penning. Yeah. So okay, this German King Tiger with its powerful gun, its anti aircraft 88, is sitting there waiting to kill this guy, right? Yeah. And he fires high and misses, and all they have loaded is he. <laughs> If you guys don't, it's a high explosive round. And the reason they did that is because there was a, you had more chance of running into somebody with a a bazooka. Yeah. You know, you, you had more chance of a guy popping out of a hole, uh, a foxhole with a, you know, bazooka or what they call them, Panzer Faust, Panzer, Panther Faust. Basically it was a, German bazooka. We'll talk more about that in future episodes. So they would fire an HE and wipe out the guy. You know, you don't want to shoot AP yeah. or armor piercing. So that's the main reason they had HE loaded. They were more worried about German personnel jumping up with hand grenades, machine gun nests, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The possibility of you turning around and seeing a German <laughs> king tiger hid behind a bush going, oh, we're going to get you, is real slim. <laughs> but go ahead. This is fun. Yeah, Irwin shouted for his loader to put an armor-piercing round in the gun. And before he could shoot, the American tank was hit by anti-tank fire, which did no damage to the Pershing. It was never discovered if the shot that hit Matera's tank had been fired by the Tiger or some other German weapon. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say that if they got hit and it d- didn't get killed, it wasn't it wasn't the Tiger. It was probably wasn't the Tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the Tiger uh, two or the King Tiger's gun. If you got hit by that, you, you would probably know it. Yeah. <laughs> The latter was most likely the case, since a hit at that range from a King Tiger would likely have destroyed the U.S. tank. Yeah. Uh, Irwin then got off his second shot, which hit its target as the Tiger slowly moved forward over a rubble heap, exposing the German's thinly armored underbelly. Ah, lucky shot. Wow. The 90-millimeter round hit near the enemy tank's ammunition hold, resulting in a tremendous explosion which blew the Tiger's turret loose and killed the crew. Uh, the contest between the American and German behemoths lasted only 20 seconds. So, folks, if you can imagine this, this King Tiger is sitting there waiting around the corner, loaded. And they have their little infantry, infantry friends with grenades, bazookas, and stuff like that. Here comes Superversion rolling down the road. They know what's coming. They can hear it. He's loaded he fires, um, they fire HE back. It's kind of a quick bam, bam. Yeah. And he starts to back up. One of the German bazooka guys is like, hey, I'll shoot a bazooka at him. Boom, hits him. It's all trouble there. But the King Tiger makes a huge mistake and starts to go after it. Extremely huge, yeah. And the guy, you know, screams at the gunner, hey, load uh, armor piercing. And the King Tiger rolls over. Debris, given it its underbelly, it shoots it, kills it, and blows it up that right there. That is incredible. That is. I, I, that's got to be probably a lucky shot. Random. Yeah. Random uh, number generator. Yeah. RNG. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. But yeah, they killed that. That's an amazing battle. Yeah, that was. People have been wanting to contact us. What is the really the best way to contact us? Is it still Facebook? Yeah. Search for us on Facebook. At Two Tankers and Cat Podcast. Um, just in the search bar at the top of the of the Facebook page. Just search for Two Tankers and Cat Podcast. You will find our Facebook page. And please give us a like on Facebook. And if you want to go a little bit further than that even, share us. Share us on your own personal site. Get us out there. Yeah, we do, we're yeah. doing a pretty good job of getting out there. But we would love for you know some of our people that are starting to enjoy it to get us out there um i know people are wanting to support us um i've had uh, three people contact me so far about donations are we still not doing that yet? um as of right now no 
Well, what are you doing, Lightning? You crazy <laughs> kitty cat? Isn't it amazing we start oh, talking about I know. money? Yeah. The cat shows up. Yeah. I need cat toys. Yeah. Cat toys and food. She's a tuna cat. <laughs> she, is, <laughs> she is a tuna cat. Tuna monster. But anyway, yeah, um, I plan on at least starting probably with PayPal donations. I'm still looking at that, and and I'm hoping uh, that either by the end of December or the first part of uh, 2019, we should have something like that up and, and going. If you are interested in, in donating, uh, it does cost us a little bit of money to, to keep this up and running, and it would just go towards the normal everyday expenses of the of the server that we hosted on and and that kind of stuff. Well, I wish you could take a picture right now because you probably heard a a big thump. Yeah, lightning jumped into my arms, hit my mic. Yeah, so I heard I'm, it. I'm sounding pretty <laughs> far away, but I wish you guys could see. She is such a love bug. She is such a great cat, and she's a rescue. Yeah. Like Russ always says, best twenty dollars he ever spent. It is definitely that. Yes, uh, it is. Get your butt out of my face. I know she likes the butt in the face thing too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and close the episode. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend, Russ. Say goodbye. Hey, this is Russell. And this is Charlie. And until next time, happy tanking. You crazy cat. <laughs> <laughs>